this episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. As I kept moving into my role as a school counselor, I saw a lot more of the gifted population and what they, you know, people make the assumption that they have it all going on. Wow, you have intelligence, you have everything. But what we don't always remember is the asynchronous development and the overexcitability and how I intensely feel things. and, And yeah, my heart goes out to them. That and a whole lot more coming up. And welcome to the Adventures in Being Gifted podcast. I'm Jill Hartsock. And I'm Jessica Mullen. And we're two experienced gifted teachers and your hosts. This podcast is a place for parents, educators, and students living the gifted adventure to hear stories, practical tips, and deep dive into relevant topics related to being gifted. So come along for another Adventures in Being Gifted episode. All right, episode one of Adventures and Being Gifted. Jill, can you believe summer is already over? No, I can't. It was a much needed, well deserved, earned summer break. It sure was. <laughs> After what we've been through in the last 17 months throughout the pandemic, it is going to be nice to come back to school in person. We are ready. We are. And students have definitely been through a roller coaster as we have teachers have been too. So whether you were in person or online learners this last 17 months, it is definitely made us all stronger. Absolutely. And I think in any year, not just a year with a pandemic behind us, but any year, the transitions of going back to school are always difficult. And that is why today in episode one, This is all about back-to-school transitions, and we wanted to tackle the idea of gifted students, all ages, and how they handle, um, how they could be handling going back to school, and just really helping parents and teachers and students themselves to be better prepared and um, just more comfortable with going back to school full-time, in-person, after having a year of either hybrid or some altered type school year with the coronavirus. So today we have a very special guest and her name is Michelle Crew. She is a school counselor at the elementary school level, grades three through six, and she has 32 years in education. 28 of those years have been in the school counselor position. She has a BS in art education, a master's of education in school counseling, and she's also a licensed licensed professional counselor. So she is a mental health therapist, and she's working towards her licensed professional clinical counselor with one year left. Yes. So with without any further ado, hi, Michelle. Well, hello, ladies. Thanks for inviting me. You are welcome. We are so lucky to have you here. Can you give us just a little bit of background in your counseling and kind of what is your why as to being a school counselor? I think my why began way back when I was an art teacher and I saw so much in um, just art, kids' arts. You know, I feel like play and art tell us a lot about what they're thinking and feeling. And I saw a lot of just um, in their art some things I couldn't explain. 
And I wanted to dive deeper into that and looked at um, what could there be behind those, you know, drawings, what kind of feelings, thoughts. And so that kind of jumped me into start working on my school counseling license. And I started out at Kent State University and then transferred to Bowling Green um, and just loved, 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 you know, doing all of that um, because I feel like that for me is where my heart is. Um, just knowing, understanding the emotions, the thoughts, the, you know, and the thinking behind why we do what we do. So I very passionate about it. <laughs> I love that because kids express themselves in such a unique way through art and that mm-hmm. what you can learn about a child through that is Amazing. Cool. That is awesome. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about your experience with working with gifted kids, especially. Uh, Yeah, I feel, I guess my heart really was just, I mean, torn. I I remember when I was a first art teacher and I had a, a gifted student who just, you know, again, going to the, you know, over emotions, you know, the intense emotions that gifted students have. And he was so, oh, just torn because he learned about just the world and how there was people starving in the world. And he actually developed, you know, an eating disorder because of his, you know, I know that's a a very strong case, but I felt like, wow, to have that, you know, like the, the emotions that are so intense and the thinking that's so intense and just that worldview of like, and just, wow, that's, that's gotta be a lot for him to take on as a little, I think it was a fourth grader at the time, you know, and, and then I, as I, you know, kept moving into my role as a school counselor, I saw a lot more of the gifted population and what they, you know, people make the assumption that they have it all going on, you know, wow, you have intelligence, you have everything. But what we don't always remember is, you know, the asynchronous development and the, you know, overexcitability and how I intensely feel things. And and yeah, my heart goes out to them. Mm, You nailed it. That's exactly what we deal with on a, on a regular basis. So that's awesome. And I know that you have dealt with a lot of our students as they've gone through third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. And I think that's really amazing that your district, our district, has been able to allow you to kind of cross over the grades and follow them and work with them. Yeah, because what we know for these kids, for any of our, you know, students who have these intense emotions, they need continuity. They need connection. And um I think that's been a bonus. Yes, I'm very thankful that I can do that with them. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, today we wanted you to talk a little bit about kind of the background of mental health and social emotional learning because it's so prevalent right now in schools more than ever before. Um, That really has come about recently within the last few years in and of itself. But then I think because of the pandemic, it really... Um, just exasper- exacerbated yeah. that. Well, you took, you know, you took what was already underneath the surface for so many people, and then we just put it in a pressure called coronavirus pandemic mm-hmm. time, and now everything is rising to the surface, which, you know, I, I'm thankful that the state of Ohio has realized that, you know, social emotional learning standards need to be put into place because those are things that, you know, it's that un- hidden curriculum 
that we all need in our lives. You know, um, we all need to be able to problem solve. We all need to be able to make decisions and and emotion regulations at the front of all. If you can't regulate your emotions, what can you do? So yeah, it goes hand in hand with academics and learning. If you, it's got to be a balance, mm-hmm. and that's what gifted education has always had as a component of its curriculum. So now that, like you said, Ohio has decided to put that widespread across all grades um, and start implementing the SEL standards, it's really going to be huge for all kids, not just gifted kids who identify and qualify for, you know, a certain gifted program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about why do you think um, there's been this shift in awareness in mental health and um, just how that is going to kind of play out this school year? Wow, that's a that's a big question. Um, I think when we look at you know a couple of things you brought up, you know, one we're making some major transitions for those students who have been maybe online this whole time. That's that's just transitioning back into the world, transitioning back into a school setting. Um, that's one piece of it. And then maybe maybe my child was you know in person last year, but just any season when you transition we have to kind of be cognizant of like how that impacts everybody differently, you know? And so I feel like that's something as in the adult, you know, we're the teacher. (laughs) How is that impacting me? And I think that we kind of have to start with the parent or the guardian or, you know, like looking at like where, where, how does my child adapt to change? Because change is what it's really about. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So as we are transitioning back to school, which is a major topic for children and parents, like you said, how can we help or what advice can we give and tips can we give to these teachers and parents to help their students, their gifted students transition from summer, which is super unstructured, to this really structured environment of school? especially those who haven't been in a building in 17 months. I know, I know. So that we've got a lot of hurdles, right? Like, so like in a given year, just going from that unstructured time of play and relaxation, you know, I, I see the turn start happening probably about end of July, beginning, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's even when I hear from parents and saying, "Uh oh, you know, this, the the worries are starting to happen or the physical symptoms are starting to happen because what we know about the brain is that it has a tendency to project into the future, which a lot of it is out of our control, right? But unfortunately, what we do, the good news is that we do know some things that we could put into place, okay? So when we're dealing with unstructured or we're moving into more of a structured environment, what can I control in my environment with the basics, right? Sleep, eating, and and just looking at like what can I help routine wise, you know. So those are, I mean, those are. I feel like that's the foundation. If you have that as your foundation, your emotion regulation is going to be okay. But also, how can I incorporate conversations? Because it's all about the connection. How am I connecting with my child to give them a, a, when we're talking about mental health, we're talking about physical health, emotional health. It all comes back to how can I talk to that person about what they might be thinking 
And you know, as well as I do as moms, you get a lot of great conversations when it's not that face-to-face, it's that parallel conversation I might be riding in the car. So I guess as a parent, take those opportunities when you're driving them to practice or, you know, or just have car rides because, you know, summer's full of like vacations and things like that. Just to kind of throw out some conversations about like thoughts, feelings about how even reflecting back to how did this school year go? How did you feel about it? What were your strengths? You know, just starting to lay that foundation because I think what we want to use those is those strengths then can be used to, this is how I can apply it to my next year, right? The good news is our kids have done school. They know in general. Well, some of them have been away from school for a while, but just to kind of get them back into what are my strengths? What do I do really, really well? What might be something that you could help me with, mom? Because I have a hard time getting up in the morning or I have a hard time putting all my papers where they need to go. Just those kind of like routines. How can we firm those up? So going back to when you said, so sleep, eating, and just getting into a routine. So how early do you think they should start Mm. that? So you said kind of end of July. So say, you know, I know our district starts beginning of August. So Mm -hmm. when do you think kids and parents should really start getting back into that? I think it depends on the kid. How (laughs) in your past experiences with your child, how long does it take them to get into that habit, you know, you know, research would tell us 28 days to form a habit, but it shouldn't take us that long if it's an old habit that we just need to, you know, Brush firm up. up. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I would say when is it mid, mid July, end of July, beginning of, you know, I just wouldn't. I see too many families wait until like the night before to go, oh, you know what? Our bedtime starts. Absolutely. <laughs> and they fall asleep and yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just trying to get them into those habits of some good sleep behaviors as well as eating, you know, and. And I even think like once school has started, I know I have two daughters, both identified gifted, you know, highly emotional children, um, School started, they seem good, but then as soon as they, they hold it together at school, but then as soon as they get home, they kind of fall apart. Is there anything or tips that you can help with kind of helping them regulate those emotions? Oh, Jessica, I'm so glad you said it. It's like the shark in the water, right? It's under the surface. We're not talking about it. I'm trying to hold it together at school. So I feel like, you know, even talking to them about it and saying, okay, I've noticed Tell me more about this and not when they're dysregulated and not when they're grouchy and everything like that, but, and just kind of say, let's come up with a plan. You know, for my girls, they needed some downtime. They needed to make sure that they had some alone time sometimes even just to just chill, do something, a preferred activity, right? Then we can circle back around to like, okay, but if we don't get rest and we don't get a snack, good luck. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) It's going to be ugly. So maybe that would be something, you know, that you could put into just a conversation just yeah, to say. I think that's right. Downtime is key. Mm-hmm. So what about the quiet, older, <laughs> middle school, high school kids who, in a way, are keeping it under wraps and to themselves, but are really struggling? They may have their outwardly emotions more controlled but they've got the worries, they've got the anxieties, mm-hmm. but they're not really letting those out or sharing yeah. those. How, as a parent of maybe a middle school, high school aged um, child, gifted or not, 
how can those parents kind of pull that out it's, of them or, or bring up that conversation yeah. without making them mad or <sighs> shut down even more? I know. Because I think you, it's all about timing, right? It's not if you have the conversation, it's when you have the conversation. And you just kind of have to, I feel like, have those like thoughts ready to go at a moment's notice. Because it is all about, especially middle school, high school, it's about opportunities. Like, let's be honest, you have a captive audience when you're in a car taking them somewhere. They right. don't have, you don't have to get into big conversations, but just say, just, I feel like phrases like, I've noticed lately, or can you tell me more about this? This is what I'm seeing. And this is, you know, this is not what I know about you. And just get them to like, just like put a, you know, just to kind of get them to hopefully, hopefully open up, you know, and for some kids it, it is really tricky because they don't want to admit, you know, so then I model. I say, I don't know about you, but I've been really feeling lately coming back to school has been hard for me Mm. or going back into the office has been hard, you know, just maybe just talking about your own, just to see if there'd be like, it's like fishing. You got to throw out a lot of lines to see if you can get them caught. But I, I worry most about those kids who are the silent ones because you know, they're thinking and feeling things. They just right. got to find the right outlet to talk about it, you know, and it may not just be you. Right. Who else do you know in your support system that could dive in and check in with them, you know? That's really good. Yeah, I think about the ones that might even come back and say, I'm fine, and have an edge to them, and they just don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So how much do you keep repeating it, or how often do you keep coming back to that, or how much do you let it simmer, kind of let it go and then move on and a couple days yeah. later, what what would be your recommendations for that? I always say it comes back to Should themes and patterns, right? So you, <clears throat> if you're seeing this kind of like edginess on a regular basis, it needs to be addressed because it, it's like the iceberg. You might see a little bit of the behavior at the tip and, you know, pull it up, pull up a picture and say, okay, I see this. This is what I see from you. I see you breaking down really easily, yelling at people in the house. I see you stomp, you know, stomp upstairs. What else is under the surface? Because I bet there's something, you know, like I just feel like letting it go and pretending it's not happening just makes you feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Even if you get the ugly response, it's a response. But circling backer, I always, I'm, I, it's a continuous conversation. I don't okay. feel like it's just, you know, well, I'm going to have it on Friday afternoon. And, you know, <laughs> I feel like you, you throw it, you be like, you're ready, you know, like just, and all you can do is say, here's what I'm observing. Tell me more. I want to listen. I'm here for you. Okay. Coax, 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 coax it out of them. It's there. Okay. That's great. Let's talk about friends. How can you help? <laughs> your child with anxiety about friends, whether they're primary grades, middle elementary, intermediate, middle school, high school, college, you know, how can we help our kids um, with any particular tips on rekindling friendships, making new friends, or just even approaching that subject in general. Yeah. So, you know, we've just gone through a pandemic, complete shutdown. It really stifled a lot of our just our social abilities 
really it has. And I feel like, you know, sometimes going back to the basics of like initiating conversations is necessary. Maybe, you know, just like practice, you know, like, Hey, what we know about anxiety is the more you expose yourself to something that's the stressor gradually. I mean, we're not going to push them into, you know, Kings Island say, go make a friend, but, but you do want to start to say, okay, let's do it small. Could you consider doing something small with a friend or having somebody over? I always, always try to start the one, you know, who's a one, who's one person that you would want to spend some, and that, I'm just talking about making friends right? because I feel like it's an overwhelming process. I don't care what age you are. It's overwhelming. So if I gradually expose myself to that stressor of like being social, hopefully, you know, I'm putting myself in gr- large group situations too. I mean, there's tons of opportunities, but it's just, it's a process. You know, I wish, I wish there was a cookie cutter way of doing it (laughs) or, you know, initiating an old friendship. Like, Hey, would you want to, would you, you know, because let's look at our reality. So much of our interactions online right now, it's such a flat two dimensional way of interacting. Um, There's a lot of lonely people out there and, and I would put the thought, especially in your older child's head. What if they're thinking the same thing, but they don't have the courage enough to ask? Oh, I love that. You know? Yeah. Because I think the older you get, and especially for those of us that have been teaching for 20 or more years, you realize that is what's running through everybody's head, but the kids don't realize that. So I love that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, they think adults have it all going on. Again, be vulnerable share with, you know what, hon, I haven't had the greatest success lately with being connected to my friends. It's okay to tell them that because this is misperception that adults have it all going on. No, I think it's a continual process, learning of who I connect with and who I can trust. I think that's a huge piece of it. You know, like I feel like our kids, I think going back to our social emotional learning are in a deficit right now. They don't know what a healthy relationship looks like sometimes. And they kind of just allow mean behaviors to happen because at least it's somebody. That breaks my heart. Mean behaviors. (laughs) How would you advise any age? I mean, I'm thinking, especially like third grade on, how would you advise a child who might be struggling with being uh, maybe the victim of mean Mm -hmm. behaviors or even maybe a parent finds out through a teacher or a friend or someone else um, that your child is the one having the mean behaviors towards others. Ooh, tough conversations, but I think necessary conversations because what our role is as a parent, as a teacher, is to educate, right? Sometimes our mean behaviors are coming from a hurt place. Hurt people hurt people, right? So why why did you feel like it was okay for you to say that to, you know, her? Or, you know, how did you feel when that person said that? You know, I think there's a lot of reflection, practice, um, talking through like what their thoughts was. And yes, you're going to get that defensive response at first. Remember, it's the lid flip. It's the, I'm frustrated with you, but again, our role as a parent is to come back down when you're calm and let's talk this through. Like what, what were you thinking? Help me understand. What were you thinking? Tell me more about this. This is what I heard. I want to hear what you have to say, you know, giving them some more strategies to kind of talk it through. Excellent. 
All right. So for all of our amazing teachers out there listening to us today, um, what kind of advice do you think teachers need to hear um, with helping students with all this mental health, social, emotional learning as we transition back and, you know, they're meeting them for the first time. They haven't really established those strong relationships yet, but even in the first couple weeks of school, um, what advice would you give to the teachers? Ah, the teachers are like the doing the holy work. I mean, they're doing so much to manage and, but I think, and I'm just going to, because I'm just a huge fan of her work right now is Dr. Jody Carrington talks about connection. It's everything. So do I know these students who are coming in to meet with, do I know their name? Right. Can I, can I find out one fun fact about them? What's their favorite color? What do they like to go out to eat at? You know, and how do I use that on a daily basis to gain relationship? Because it all is about relation, and we are thirsty for relationships right now. So, I guess that's my one go-to. Like, if you can do anything, is how can I find ways every day to make a connection with with my students, even if it's for like five minutes. I love that you brought up her book. We are also reading Kids These Days by Dr. Jody Carrington, and it is phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. So educators, teachers out there, parents, we are going to plug this one. Any person, honestly, I mean, this goes across the board for any relationship that you have. You need to remember it all comes back, you know, to the brain science and how do we relate to one another and honestly giving each other grace. Mm. And I feel like it couldn't be a better time to be reading that book because of the essence of living through a pandemic and Mm -hmm. just physically everything was shut down. People aren't able to have birthday parties or social gatherings and, you know, like we're used to. So I think it's just a perfect time to kind of Mm re-engage as we go into this new school year. Well, and you think about it, routines and rituals are part of our social network, right? And we didn't have that. So right now we're, we are starting a routine and a ritual of back to school. And what can you do to hold on to some of that, to like, you know, make it special or make it memorable or even record thoughts and feelings at the beginning, because I love to reflect back and say, well, remember how you felt Hmm. day one, even day seven, day 10, how are you feeling now? Because what we're teaching our kids is emotion awareness. And also, how did I resilience when I felt like I couldn't even step in that door of the school? How did I get through it? Hmm. There are so many opportunities to reflect and just plan and decide and talk through things. So how can I put that into our rituals at home at night? You know, Jessica, you talked about your girls, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I talked to so many parents who have like a bedtime ritual Mm -hmm. and that seems to be a favorite. Yeah. (laughs) It's prime time. They're calm. They're usually in a good calm state and you don't have to bring anything controversial, but what can we do to kind of just show gratitude or thankfulness for what we went through today and what can I learn from today? Yeah, and it's a safe spot for them to feel, the, like you said, in the car. It's kind of like the car rides. Yeah. The bedtime routine at the end of the day, closing out the night, or is a great time for them to feel like they're in the state of mind of being able to talk and share. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how parents and teachers and even students themselves can deal with anxiety that they might be having towards academics, whether it's, you know, 
pressure from parents, um, whether it's high expectations for themselves, whether it's a new school, whether it's just um, in general test taking or holding on to that quote unquote label of being gifted Mm -hmm. or being really good at, you know, grades, getting good grades. I think honors and AP classes too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what you're talking about, Jill, overall, when you talk about that anxiety, is that performance anxiety, whether it's internal, like it's just coming from who I am and what I think I should be doing, should be doing, um, or external, like parents, you know, teacher, I mean, we, we as adults do label our kids, you know, well, my, 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 it's almost like bragging rights. My son is taking, you know, so many AP courses or, and, and I always go back, but what does a kid want? You know, and, and we got to step out of the way as adults and just really hone in on where are they at with this? This is their life. High school is at, and you know, even younger, they're making strides to find their own education. Let them sometimes take the lead or at least co-lead with them. But I just think we have to sometimes step back and go, where, where are they? Because if my worth is based on an output, who am I? And so many kids get to be a point of, I'm an empty shell because I'm this and this and this, but I don't really know me. You know, who am I as a person? And, you know, like just trying to discover it. And that's, and that's part of developmental, you know, it, right. it, it comes along the way, but I just really want us to be, you know, that's the cool thing about growing up kids is, you know, middle school, you start stepping alongside them instead of always kind of being in front of them. And then as they go through high school, they start taking the lead. So just check yourself. I think we just need to check ourselves and check what we're, you know, are we adding stress to this performance? Are, you know, and, and for kids, you know, it's discovering yourself, trying things and being able to say, I I don't like this. (laughs) I'm going to step away from this and it's okay. And, oh, I think, I think what we are so caught up in the labels that we forget a lot of times it comes down to who am I? What do I want to be? <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't have to be all the extras. That is a huge piece of advice because I know for my high schooler, um, my son, he's going to be a junior, or he is a junior, I should say. Um, he, it really was a big deal for me as the parent to let him go ahead and pick his classes based on his interests, but mm-hmm. also let him not have to be in honors English if that's not the direction he wants to go Mm -hmm. and not have that, I guess, core curriculum honors level if he's not super passionate about it. So I think those are some really good tips, especially for those middle school, high school kids. Mm -hmm. It's amazing when you let them take the lead when they can, they will go beyond what you thought they could do. Right. Right. But if you're the one that's directing the show, they're going to, re- sadly, they're going to resent you because mm-hmm. you got sure. in the way. So that's, that's what my experience has been. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's great advice. I, 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 as a parent, just appreciate hearing that and need, you know, need to be reminded of that. That's but. awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you for being our first <laughs> episode. Number one, back to school guest. We are so glad you were here. 
Thank you for having me. I loved it. All right, Jessica, that was some awesome information from Michelle, the school counselor who just put it out there for us. She just told us some amazing tips for going back to school. And I especially liked what she said about parents. We adults need to kind of step out of the way and co-lead, allow our children to take the lead and really ask what they want. You know, do they want to take five different AP classes in high school or are they passionate about one area and just maybe narrow it down to one area? Versus all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of what she said was good for everyone. It really, mm-hmm. you know, these these back to school anxieties, you know, we see them a lot in our gifted students, but really it's that was great information for everyone to hear. I know even us adults have anxiety yeah. <laughs> about our own transition from summer to school and being teachers and getting new students and things like that, getting our classroom ready. But even parents have the anxiety yeah. of transitioning back to school and helping their child. It changes it everybody's routine in the whole does. house. Yeah, it really does. So I think at the end, listeners, this is a great opportunity for us all to listen to Michelle's advice and try out some of her tips and then see how that goes with stepping out of the way or stepping alongside your child to let them lead and really just kind of train them up into helping them make their own decisions as they go through life. Yeah. And we are going to have segment in most of our episodes where we're handing the mic over to kids. So stay tuned for our student voices section where Aiden is going to give you lots of great tips too. What we do is we come up with a bunch of different things, good stuff like Welcome to the segment Student Voices, where we are passing them the mic to share about their gifted adventures. everybody. My name is Aiden Fowler. I'm going into fifth grade and something cool about me is I want to be an inventor when I grow up. Or my fallback plan is a video game tester. It's a good career. So anyway, where do you come, when it comes back to school time, you may be a little stressed out or nervous on what to do and how to do stuff. Well, I've come with a few tips or advice on how to do this. One of the biggest concerns I hear is that people just kind of slack off during the summer and they aren't ready when they come back. So that's why one of the big things that I do in my house is create a summer list program. What we do is we come up with a bunch of different things, good stuff like math, reading, and all that to keep yourself, to keep your brain sharp. And we do this once or twice or three times a week so that we'll always be ready for it through the summer. And then we also have to stay physically healthy. We have some stuff like exercise, play basketball, that sort of thing. So you can just so if you want to, you can just take that advice and make some sort of list to just help you retain yourself during the summer. Another thing is that once school starts, people will seem to be kind of lonely and hard to find friends. 
So something I suggest is that starting on the first week of school, you get your social skills out and moving. So like you go ahead and start talking to people in your class, different classes, or your teachers even, so you can get to know a little bit about them. Another thing about summer, a lot of people go into a class not expecting what to do or hear or see. So that's why something I like to do is the teacher letter that they that your teacher sent home to your parents. I like to take a quick glance over that to see like what materials we need, what we're doing, some of the subjects we'll be covering, who's teaching what, that sort of thing, so that you'll be prepared when you go into it. Another thing is people kind of slack off at the beginning of school because they're really tired from switching just straight from going, staying up really late and get sleeping late to getting up early and going to bed early. So what I suggest is like in the last few weeks before school, you switch over to a format where you sleep, go to sleep sooner so that you'll be ready to wake up sooner and you'll be ready to attack the day. So like I said before, you can also practice um, some social stuff at the beginning of the year and when you have your social skills out and ahead you will definitely be ready to make a lot of best friends and regular friends and be friends with the entire class and if you need to do any side skills like you're planning on doing something like drama club or an instrument or something you may also want to get a rental for that or buy something like that and just try to play it a little bit during the summer Trust me, especially when you're doing something hard to learn, like piano, you need to practice that a lot to learn. And if you ever need to, you can always, always just talk to somebody. Your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, any friends you've already made, any like past friends from previous years or previous teachers. So they can give you some good advice and you can use it to help you get back into the swing of things. So I thank you for listening to me today. And I hope I see you soon. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another Adventures in Being Gifted episode. Please make sure that you subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us again next time for more Adventures in Being Gifted.